because we have a lot to cover this morning, and hopefully we can get through most of it. Um, but I do want to start out with uh, prayer request. Prayer request or praises. The Bidwells are moving. So is that a praise or a prayer or both? Both. Both. So where are you guys moving to? Pataskala. 16 miles. So giving up the, the, the farm and the moving to another place with land or like a, just a house or a condo or a ranch? No, he's, he's got it dialed in 0. 0.64, not 0. 0.65, 0. 0.64. And that's later this month, right? Or you said May. May. So prayers for that. If, if you've moved, which all of us have moved, I think there's nothing worse. I think the only thing that maybe compares is painting. Is, yeah. Yes, ma'am. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, that, that, whole, that whole putting stuff on the market and trying to deal, and it, it's the worst. It's the, the offer, the counter offers, all that stuff. It's, it's no fun. Yeah, Miranda. Maybe hiding in his work a little bit, maybe. Yeah. What else? Yes, yes, absolutely. Guidance, oversight, patience, all of those things. Yeah. What else? All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning, and, and we have real needs, we have concerns, there are so many things that are unknown. Um, th this whole idea of moving and, and figuring out where we will live and, and how to navigate all of that, Father, it, it, um, I mean, we, we know that you're sovereign, we're actually going to see that this morning, we know that you're sovereign, but Father, we're, we are fallible um, sinful, fleshly human beings, and, and obviously um, we don't understand the future. And, and so, Father, we just, we just pray that, that you would guide us, that you would, um, that you would give us patience and, and comfort and, and just help us to remember that you are sovereign, that, that all of this was laid out before the foundation of the earth and, and that we can rest in that. Um, you know, Father, our, our children, um, you know, d dealing with the death of a child, with the birth of a child, um, you know, e even in your word, you, you talk about your children and, um, 
it, it's, it, it's very, very hard, Father. So we just, we pray for these situations. Um, we pray for healing. Um, we pray that this would be, you know, an avenue, an avenue for, for those involved to grow in you, um, for your grace and, and love to, to really convict them and, and to penetrate their hearts and, and help them to turn to you. Um, and Father, I just, I'm so thankful for the time that we have this morning to gather together. Um, yeah, I still, on, on my mind, I, I still think of our brothers and sisters around the world, even as close as Canada, um, that, that aren't uh, blessed at, at this moment to, to be able to gather in person. And we know, we understand that your work is still being done, that no fence or guard or persecution can stop your word from spreading just the way you want it to. But we do pray for our brothers and sisters. We, we lift them up and, and we just hope that this, in fact, strengthens them. Um, in your word and, and in your grace. So, Father, thank you this morning. Um, we pray for this time that we look at your word. Um, I pray that, that we will understand that your word is truth, that this Bible, this, this collection of books that we have in front of us is your inspired word. It is when we open up that book, we are hearing directly from you, just as though you would be sitting here with us today, speaking audibly to us. So, Father, thank you for this time. We just pray that you are with us, and we pray that you're honored in everything we say and do, and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so this morning, um, if you're not aware, if you were not here last week or you've not heard, we're going to be starting, or we're, we've already started, um, a series in uh, theology, systematic theology. And if you've ever, ever read um, anything on systematic theology or anything like that, probably some of you go, oh, Really? Um, because it is technical, it is very deep, um, but it's very, very important. These are the truths. Of course, we step out in faith, and we, we trust Christ in faith, but there are some real truths that we, we have to kind of understand um, to help, um, uh, help us with these things, because especially when we, you know, when we spread the gospel, there are things that we need to know um, so we can answer. We can have an answer. We're called by Scripture to have an answer for those that would question us. And so systematic theology, it's good because it is systematic. It goes through, and you will see that over the next uh, however many weeks, 12 weeks, whatever it is. Um, and uh, it, it kind of helps. It builds on um, on, on one another on each of these subjects. So I would definitely, definitely encourage you, if you don't understand something, um, please don't just walk away and say, well, this is above me. I, I'm, I just can't get this. This is for those like Pastor Andy who go to seminary, who, you know, have a master's degree or something that, like that. It really is not. It really is not. It, it is something that we can all understand, and there are so many resources out there. So I just invite you, if there's something you don't understand, if it doesn't make sense, please ask. You know, please come to, to me. Um, after I'm done, go to Pastor Andy and say, I don't understand anything he just said. Can you help me? Um, and we will get you the resources, because I think especially now, with, with the persecution that we do see, um, even in this country, being grounded in these things are so very important. Obviously being grounded in the word, but then also having these things to help us kind of work through um, the Bible um, are, are very, very helpful. So this morning, we're going to be looking at bibliology or, or the doctrine of the Bible. 
And so just saying that in and of itself, and I apologize that I did not get an outline out. I know some of you had asked for an outline. Um, I was way behind on preparing everything. So I'm going to try to help you through it, uh, but I can definitely get you some resources afterwards. Um, I'll get them to Jareen or something. We'll get them out to you guys um, so, that you, so that you have them. But there are um, six kind of headings that I want to go over. And, and we're going to be moving kind of quickly, and I'm going to be asking you guys to get ready with your Bibles because I want you to help me with Scripture, especially as we look at bibliology, right, the Bible. Um, so much of what we're going to look at is already in the Bible. The Bible speaks about itself, um, and it, it speaks of its um, inspiration in and of itself. So, so much of what we do, we compare Scripture with Scripture, and we get a lot of answers there. So, here are the six kind of headings, if you want to write them down, if you're a note taker. The first one is the topic of Revelation. Not the end of the Bible, not the book of Revelation, but Revelation as far as the revealing of God's will and His Word. The next one is Inspiration or the Doctrine of Inspiration. The third is the doctrine of inerrancy. Okay, so inerrancy meaning that, that the Bible is true, that, that there are no mistakes. In fact, we will see where because this is the word of God, it's impossible for there to be mistakes in the Bible. And it's something that we really have to look at. We'll talk about that when we get there. Uh, the next one is the canon, not the big gun that we shoot, but C-A-N-O-N. So the canon meaning the whole Bible. The 66 books of the Bible, that is the canon. We'll talk about that. Uh, the, the, uh, the, the next to last is the clarity of Scripture. Scripture is clear. It's not easy, but it's clear. And lastly, the sufficiency of Scripture. So we've got Revelation, Doctrine of Inspiration, Doctrine of Inerrancy, the canon, the clarity of Scripture, and the sufficiency of Scripture. So first I want to start, we're going to look at Revelation, okay, where we would be without it, okay, we, we need God's revealing himself to us, and if, I'm going to throw out some uh, Bible references for you or, or verses if you guys can look them up, Psalm 19, 1 Thessalonians 2.13, 1 Thessalonians 2.13, John 6, 66 to 69, Acts 17, and Romans 1. And these are verses that speak, or these are passages that speak about the revel, rev, God revealing himself. So I want to start out, I'm actually going to read Romans uh, 1, 19 through 21. It states, For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. And this is talking, um, if you're familiar with Romans 1, uh, Paul leads on to it in Romans 1 about basically pointing out the fallen sinfulness of man. And basically removing the excuse from that. Everything that we need to know about God is revealed to us. And uh, does somebody have 1 Thessalonians 
Go ahead. So the doctrine of Scripture, um, Paul is writing to the church at Thessalonica, um, you know, obviously there, um, he, he's writing to a body of believers, which he has fond memories. Um, he, he's, he thinks very fondly of them, and as you can see here, he talks about, and we also thank God constantly for this. And then he goes on to say um, that the, the word that Paul preached— um, it demonstrates the, the, um, the, the proclamation of God's word um, and that it's crucial for regeneration. He talks about in there that when they received the word of God, that they accepted it. And then he talks about the fact, obviously, that it's not the word of men. And that's something that's going to be very important here in a few minutes as we talk about this, as we talk about how the word was revealed from God and how the authors actually wrote it down. Um, it is the word of God, and then it works. He's thankful for the fact that they received the word of God and that it is working in them. Um, it, it's transforming them as it took seed in them and it grows in them. So when we receive the word, it's, it's working in us. Um, it, it's not just a book, but it, it, as we hear it, as we receive it as the word of God, when we have preaching, biblical preaching, it, it works itself into us. It, it takes root and it changes who we are, how we operate, it should, um, and how we go about our daily lives. Does somebody have John 6, 66 through 69? If you have it, go ahead. So just prior to this, um, in this account, Jesus is talking about the, the fact that eternal life uh, hinges on the feeding of his body and blood, obviously, not literally, but, but his, his um, flesh, his cleansing blood. And as, as he's talking about this, um, obviously, Jesus didn't, uh, didn't get any instruction or have any books on how to grow a congregation or, or how to win friends and influence people because he's talking about the fact that you have to accept me. Actually, you have to eat of me, of what I bring. And what happens? They start to walk away. They start to leave in droves. And so finally, after these people, I mean, he, he, had, he had a couple hundred maybe, and, and they're walking away. They're leaving and Jesus turns to the 12 here, as, as we just heard, and says, how about you guys? What, what are you guys going to leave as well? And Peter, of course, Peter being Peter, um, lots of times he jumps the gun, but here he's spot on. He's basically saying, where do we go? What, what, where, where do we go? 
What are we going to go to? And that should really be our approach as we consider Scripture, right? Where, where are we going to go? If, if we don't have this book, if we, don't ex- if we don't accept this, if we don't understand that this is the Word of God, where else are we going to go? And maybe some of you in here have, have dealt with that. I mean, have you dealt with trying to find other ways, um, trying to go to other sources of comfort, of um, uh, instruction? You know, we heard la- uh, last week about lots of times we depend on our wisdom or education or, or things like that. But really, we should approach God's word as, where else do we go? If, if we don't have this, if, if we're not diving into this all the time, where else are we going to go? It's, it's going to lead us astray. It's not going to put us on the proper path. And so as we approach God's word, again, this is, this is how we, we should look at it. Now, as we move on to Revelation, as we kind of set that stage there, there are two types of Revelation. One of them is general revelation, okay, general revelation. The other one is special revelation. So does anybody know what general revelation is? Sorry, Pastor Andy can't, can't answer. Creation. What do you mean by creation? Right, so, so this word revelation, it's actually the original language. It means to take the top off, to reveal something. And, it, and as I was studying, someone referred it to, you know, like something smells really good in the kitchen. What do you always do? Men, what do you always do? Yep, go take the top off, right? I want to see what's in there. Maybe even if it doesn't smell so good. What in the heck is being cooked in you, you know? I know that never happens. Ladies, that was just a pure hypothetical, right? So this is a revealing. This revelation is a revealing. Well, what's being revealed? You're exactly right. General revelation is everything that's around us. And um, as we look around um, in nature as a whole, do we not see God? Or, okay, let's actually step back for a second. Do we not see a higher power, a creator in everything that we see, whether it's spring, the seasons, um, whether it's, it's the way uh, we just actually at home had baby goats born. And it is absolutely amazing to see all of this happen. Like the, 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 the mom changes the way she acts, the way she sounds. These little goats are born and they know to go find milk. I mean, all of these things that we see. The, the, the fact that people would try to discard God's word by evolution, how, how could this evolve? How many of you are, are involved in medicine, in the medical community? Nurses, doctors, whatever. If you have ever, or you have a microscope and you've looked under a microscope, I mean, it's incredible. It, when, when, um, when people start to have blockages in their hearts, okay, over time, they actually develop collateral circulation. So it's actually better um, if you're older and you have um, blockages and things like that because your body will grow new veins around a blockage. But that evolved. I mean, this is God revealing himself to us. And this general revelation 
is revealed to everyone. Exactly what we just saw in Romans. No one has an excuse. No one has an excuse to not understand that there is a creator. We have, like I just talked about, the harmonious structure of the human body. Those who have kids, it's incredible. Those who have seen the birth of whatever species we're talking about. But there are also aspects of humanity um, that transcend the, um, the physical, like what we just talked about, trees and things like that. It transcends that. And what we're talking about there is the difference between right and wrong. It's interesting to me in, in the, the um, I guess, society, the fact that everybody wants to go out and claim that one thing's wrong or you can't do that or, or um, you know, people are being discriminated against or things like that. Where does that come from? Where, where does that right and wrong come from? I mean, we know from our kids, do we ever have to teach our kids to lie or to cheat or to be mean or anything like that? No. But we also understand right from wrong. Now, it's all skewed these days because I'm just going to go ahead and say it. I'm wronged because of this thing, so I'm going to go burn something down. But, it, but everyone out there right now is talking about, well, that's not right. You can't do that. Where does that come from? You, you have to stop, and, and it's kind of like first principles, right? We have to start at first principles and think, okay, where does this come from? All of the noise, but where are these things coming from? It's the revealing of God. Our creator implants in us, writes on our hearts, this, dif this difference between right and wrong, um, how things should be done. Again, this doesn't, we don't come up with this again like we see in our, our kids. We don't have to teach our kids to lie and cheat. They, that, that comes natural because of their sinful nature, but... We also know, I mean, even them, they will talk about how something's not fair or something like that. Well, that obviously comes from somewhere. So we have this general revelation. Um, did someone look up Psalm 19? We'll just hit a couple of these. I want to keep moving. Huh? No, just, just the first part, just the first uh, few verses of Psalm 19. You can stop there, actually. That's a good place to stop. So, day after day, the sun rising, the, the, the sun setting, the moon rising, all of these things that we see are pouring out speech, not audible speech, but they're pouring out speech um, about general revelation, about the things that we see, that there is a creator. And then we have Acts 17, we have Romans 1 again. Those are things that you can write down and look at later. I want to try to keep moving here so we can get all of this. We have a lot. The next subject is special revelation. It also could be known as particular revelation. What is special revelation? Scripture, right? So special revelation is God speaking directly and specifically. So 
He has spoken directly. He's, he's spoken in multiple different ways um, throughout history, throughout redemption. God has spoken um, about himself, about his plan, about obviously Jesus and salvation. This is special revelation. And, and I, I heard it kind of um, compared this way or contrasted this way, the difference between general revelation and special revelation. General revelation, there is enough there to condemn. So nobody can walk around and say they don't believe, well, they can. But they don't have an excuse to walk around and talk about there is no God. What do you mean there is no God? You know, that is them just wanting to, to um, obviously it's sin, but them wanting to get away that there is a higher power that they have to answer to. So general revelation is good enough to condemn. But does general revelation tell us anything about salvation? Does general revelation tell us anything about the birth of Jesus or the beginning of creation? No, it's just that there is, these things are happening. The wind, has anybody ever considered the wind? And scripture talks about this. Where does Jesus talk about, where does the wind come from? Likening to the Holy Ghost. I mean, the wind, all of these things, but it does not reveal who God is, what his plans are, and that's where our Bible comes in. This is the special revelation that he has, been give, that he has given um, since Genesis. Whether it's through the prophets, um, whether it's through, obviously, Christ, the, the, the disciples, um, the apostles, the apostle Paul, all of these things are specially revealed from God to us. So, Revelation possesses a number of attributes. So, the first attribute, attribute is necessity. We need general revelation, right? We, we, are, we are lost. And there, there may be days where general revelation is a huge comfort to you. Do you ever wake up and just, the, 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 you know, whether it's a full moon or the sunrise is amazing or the sunset is amazing? It comforts you, right? It reminds you that there is a creator. All right, so we have the necessity of general revelation. Um, and then we have the necessity, obviously, of special revelation to unveil God as the redeemer. So we have general revelation, the existence of God. But then we have the special re revelation pointing to the fact that God is our redeemer and his plan. Authority. That's the second um, uh, kind of subheading there. Revelation possesses, possesses authority over us by the virtue of its proclamation from the author of all things. All right, so there is authority in Revelation that we do answer to a higher power. There's somebody above us. And lots of times that's where the problem is, right? That, 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 that people don't have their own authority. They can't just go and act and behave however their sin and their flesh is drawing them. Yeah. Yes.
Yep. Yeah, ab- absolutely. No, you're, you're absolutely right. That's a great analogy. And, and, you know, the other thing, too, is we also need special revelation because what do people do? How could a loving God send people to hell? Right? That there, there is part of the flesh, right, that, that we look at that. And has anybody struggled with that? Has anybody struggled with, wait a second, God, why, why would God create people, but then people can go to eternal damnation in hell, right? That, that, that doesn't make sense to us. It doesn't make sense all the time to our fleshly brains. And that's why we need special revelation. We need to have God's word because especially when you're having a bad day or you're going, going through or the death of a child, why would babies be born with cancer? And unless we see who God is, what his purposes are, we will be lost, okay? So that's why it's so important to have biblical preaching, biblical teaching. That's why it's so important for us to be in the word because it is that special revelation. All right, moving on. Clarity. This is a big one. Revelation is clear. We'll we'll talk about that a little bit further uh, coming up here in a few minutes. Revelation is clear. God's word is clear. Right? Salvation is clear. How are we saved? Through Jesus' death on the cross, dying in place for our sins, bleeding, we are washed by his blood, and we are saved from eternal damnation. But how can Jesus be both God and man at the same time? That is difficult, right? How, how, does, how does this work? Those are the things. But it's clear, but it's difficult. Hopefully that makes sense. Sufficiency. This is a big one. Revelation, God's word, is sufficient for all of life. We don't need any other book. Other books are helpful. Other books that we have, whether it's the early church or some current authors, is it helpful? Yes. But our, if, you, if, if all someone had was the Bible, that is sufficient. That is sufficient for everything we need, for direction, for instruction. So it's sufficient. And then the beauty of Revelation. We just talked a little bit about nature. It's, it's beautiful and consistent. And, and as we think about, do you, do you ever look at God's word and just think, wow, this is amazing. This is amazing how everything comes together in the Bible. Have you ever opened up the Bible and it speaks to you? Maybe you even weren't looking for an answer, but as you're reading it, it's speaking to where you are at that moment. That's the beauty of God's word. And we'll talk about where that comes, comes from because obviously it comes from his word, but it also comes from the, uh, from the Holy Spirit. All right, moving on. Sorry, we got to keep going. Um, the next one, doctrine of inspiration. Point number two, big header. Roman numeral two, we'll call it that. Doctrine of inspiration. So the word inspired, okay, it, it, the, the Greek basically was God breathed. And this is something that, that we really have to think about because um, while it was inspired by God, those who wrote it, the authors of Scripture, did not become like robots. 
okay? And, and just God somehow took control of their hand, possessed them, and they just wrote. Okay, this was inspired, though. They were inspired by God. Does somebody have, well, I didn't tell you yet. Um, 2 Timothy 3, verses 16 through 17. I'll read that one. If someone can look up 2 Peter 1, chapter 1, verses 16 through 21. And, and guys, this is really, really important because I think this is, this is one of the main areas that people will try to, um, to uh, attack God's word. The inspiration, okay? We always say, well, it's, it just was written by, by a bunch of, bunch of men, right? And, and, and men are fallible, so how could we really base our lives and what we do and what we believe on this book? So this whole idea of, of being inspired by God is very, very important. So 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 through 17. We're very familiar with this. All Scripture is breathed out by God. And I just hit on it uh, just a couple seconds ago. And it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. How many of you have ever thought, when you hear Pastor Dan or Pastor Andy um, preach, and you just think, well, they've got such a command of Scripture, I could never be there. Yeah, it's great that they can dive into God's word and, and that they can find all of this stuff, but I, I can't be there. I, I just, I can't be there. I have to depend on them to feed me God's word. Well, there, there is some truth to that, right? We need fed God's word. But right here in 2 Timothy, it's telling us it's profitable for all of these things so that you are competent. Equipped for every good work. So you can read the Bible. I mean, that's where every, who's familiar with the, with the Protestant Reformation? The Reformation, have you heard of the Reformation? A few people? The Reformation, basically, Martin Luther, basically was based on the fact that the Catholic Church said that you can't interpret, you are dumb, too dumb, you cannot interpret the, the, the scripture for yourself. The church has to do that for you. Okay, and then, of course, where did the Catholic Church, if you know anything about it, go from that? It was corrupt, right? They were selling indulgences, meaning you could go and you could buy, um, you could pay money, and then those indulgences would get those in purgatory, um, out of hell, and things like that. I mean, to, to fund the building of churches and things like that. But Martin Luther and the Reformation basically was saying, you can interpret Scripture for yourself. You do not need somebody to tell you what scripture means. If you come to JIBC and expect one of the elders to tell you what scripture says to you, guys, you're wrong. You're wrong. No, none of the elders, none of the leadership would ever advocate for you coming here so somebody will tell you. Now, we need to be fed. We do need to receive instruction, but every single person can dive into God's word and know what it says and how it speaks to them. It's, it, it's kind of, that's, that's your responsibility. That's our responsibility, especially when we live in America, where we can readily get the Bible in hundreds of different ways. All right? Um, okay, we already talked about the—we'll move on. Um, so I was going to talk about the Reformation. We already hit on that. That's good enough. Um, so right now, this is important right now as well. Because what is, what is one of the main threats to Scripture right now, do you think? 
Hmm? Misinterpreted, expound on that a little bit more. Yep, that's a good one. What else? Yes. Changing it to match the culture. Any other ideas? Would, have you guys heard that, well, this is just an old book. I mean, we're, we're so much more educated now. I mean, we have computers. We have science, right? This is, this is, this is just an old book. Um, it's, it's antiquated. Um, there is, there is um, language in it that we don't understand necessarily. It, it just doesn't make sense. And this is one of the areas, the, the postmodern world that we live in, they're attacking the authority of Scripture because it doesn't apply anymore. Because we know we have science. I know it's not working out for real well for us right now, the scientists, but... Um, you know, we, we have all of these things. We, we're just so much higher-minded. But is this Bible good today just like it was to Paul? And we'll see here in a little bit, hopefully, where Paul himself quoted Scripture. So I, I hit on this a, a few minutes ago about the uh, biblical authors. When they penned the Bible, they were not in a translate state. And, and we see this if you look at the difference between the Gospels. It accounts for the same thing, but it's written differently. Or when you read Paul, you can identify a letter from Paul, one of Paul's letters, the way that he writes it, the, the, the way that it is addressed. The, the um, human um, component of the authors comes out. Just, just the way they were, right? You guys can probably see that yourselves. If you receive a letter or an email, um, you know when it comes from a certain person what it looks like, how, it, how it's written, and things like that. So we have this. This was not, again, just the authors just becoming trance-like and just, or the other big one thing here is the verbal, um, audible, God, like they just were like secretaries. Take this down, and they just wrote it down. They wrote about what they saw, what they, what they um, experienced. These authors wrote this down, but it was all God's ordained plan. It was written exactly the way God wanted, to, wanted it to be. And as a side note, at least for me, this, almost, this speaks to our lives, right? Does anybody feel like what they did today, they were a robot when they came to church? Well, depending on if you had coffee or not. You may have felt like a robot this morning. No, you guys made decisions, right, on what you ate for breakfast, if you ate breakfast, what you wore, how you drove here, what car you brought. But is that all God's will? Was all of that ordained by God? Yes, everything that we do, all things are from him and through him and to him. So the same thing with those who, um, who wrote the Bible. Does somebody have 2 Peter 1, 16 through 21? Go ahead when you have it.
so that we have the prophetic word made more clear to which we do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star arises in your hearts. But know this first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation, for no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will, but men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. Okay, so... Our Bible, Scripture, was divine. It came from God. Nobody sat down and nobody could have sat down and wrote the Bible the way that it is. I mean, you could write a Bible, and you could even claim that it's the Word of God, and you could even claim that it, you were inspired. But it would not be the Word of God that we have today. So it was divine inspiration, but it was through human authorship. Okay, it came from God. It never originated from men. But it, it, all, it, it all flows because it was through the Holy Spirit. So there's many views. We talked a little bit about them, about doctrine of Scripture, um, how it exists today's, today. And you could pretty much lump these views into three different points. Number one, the liberal view. And this is, this is one we hear most often. Scripture is not the word of God. Okay, it's, it's good. I mean, it's got some good truths in it, right? It's not the Word of God, right? Um, that, that's the liberal view that we have today. Another view that, that um, we, we may hear, and, and it's even in Christian circles today, that it's not the Word of God, meaning it's not, the, it's, it's not God speaking to us. Remember I said at the beginning, we can open this book and basically look at it as though God speaking to us, as though he was sitting right here. But what happens is as we read it, there's special, God reveals himself to us at that moment. And then the third view, which I think most of us would advocate for, uh, for is called the verbal plenary view. Okay, basically every word is inspired. That's why lots of times when you go to seminary, um, a lot of people work to understand Greek. Because that is the original language. So, so you want to get back to, again, the first cause. Okay, because what are these? What's, what's this? I have the ESV. It's a translation. Who translated the Greek? Humans, right? So really getting back to, and, and not saying that, that uh, somebody like Pastor Andy who, who went to seminaries, not a higher Christian than any of us. But as you go to... to um, to approach preaching God's word or teaching God's word, I want to see the original language. And it really does reveal a lot, but the thing is you don't have to go to seminary because there are so many resources out there where you can click on a word, and some of you may have seen it, and you see the original Greek and the definition, okay? Um, time is escaping so quickly. All right. So that is the doctrine of inspiration. It was inspired by God, directly breathed out. Men wrote what they, what they uh, just in um, uh, 2 Peter, they, they wrote down, they documented what they saw, what they experienced, but it was all through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Um, the next main header we have is the doctrine of inerrancy. 
Time is slipping by quickly. Um, so again, inerrancy. Inerrancy basically is the fact that God's word is true. It cannot, it cannot, um, there, there's, there's no mistakes. Um, the, the way that it was written, there are no mistakes. Now, can there be a few little areas here and there, and you may hear of these, where a human, as they went ahead and, and they, they kept reproducing these by hand, maybe a word here and there got changed. But the idea of the gospel is the same throughout. Okay, so God's word is inerrant. Um, and what, how do we know that it's inerrant? How can we say that God's word is inerrant? Does anybody have any ideas? I mean, don't, not just because I said it. Do we all agree that God's, or that, that this, this is God's word? So how do we know it's inerrant? Yeah, so if it's God's word, does it not just make the next step from that is that it's inerrant? And we see that in Numbers 23, verse 19. God is not man that he should lie, or a son of man that he should change his mind. Has he said, and will he not do it? Or has he spoken, and will he not fulfill it? So God doesn't change. What God says, God means. And it will come to pass. That's why, that's why so much of what we have in God's word is so beautiful. That's why we can rely on salvation, the, the, the uh, message of the gospel. These things happened. Revelation. God says that these things will happen, and they are true. Now, if you don't believe this is God's word, then we have a bigger problem. But if you say it's God wor God's word, then it has to be true. Because then if it's not, God would make mistakes. And if God makes mistakes, then does that not just throw everything out the window? We might as well just forget everything at that point, okay? And that's why it's so important today, and you, you will hear that. There, there are those who will, who will want to take this section, and we, it was alluded to earlier, take this section of the Bible, and, and all of this um, is, is uh, and there's so many different areas that, that we could look at, but I believe this part of Scripture. But then when you talk about another part of Scripture, Oh, no, that, that, can't, that can't be. That, that's, that's not right. Wait a second. If it's good in Genesis or the first part of the Bible, it's good the middle part of the Bible, it's good the end. It, it's all God's word. It's all truth. Again, is it difficult? Yeah, it's difficult. It sure is difficult. But it's truth. And if we don't rest ourselves on the truth of God's word, on the inerrancy and the inspiration of God's um, uh, overseeing of the writing of his word, then we have nothing. We, we, we literally have nothing. And I think this is going to become more and more of an issue as time goes on. I mean, why are they wanting to remove the Bible from so many institutions? If I remove this, I've removed everything. And that's why it's so important that we stick to this. That's why it's so important that we meet together. Number one, God... God ordained that we would meet together. Do not fail to, to gather yourselves together. But if I can remove people from hearing God's word and praising with God's word, then, then we've re, re, we have removed the foundation. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. Right? Because where is truth now? Yeah, truth, truth is just such a bland, right? Because my truth is different from your truth, is different from your truth, right? Whatever you feel is true is okay, right? What's that? Yes. One, one big way, and I didn't come up, that one, one big way that you can answer those who, who may be questioning you or may be saying, um, you know, well, there's no way that God would ever send people to hell, for instance. We talked about that. How can you answer them? How do you know that's true? Yeah. Yeah. What are you basing it on? What are you basing your idea of truth on? And what do we have as Christians? You know, again, I think that's one thing, another reason to know God's word is you could open it. Well, how, how can you say that ABC? Well, here, let me show you. I'm not saying it. God is saying it. We open it up and we look at it. How do, you know, how do I know that, that, um, you know, that, that, that uh, salvation is through Christ alone, through faith alone? Well, here, I'll show you exactly where it is. It's not Aaron saying it, okay? And that should give us comfort with... Um, with going out and, and spreading the gospel because we take God's word. I don't, if I had to argue, if I, me, and there are people that are gifted that can do this, but if I had to go out and argue with, has anyone tried to argue with someone about Christ or the gospel or salvation? Probably if I had to guess, if you have, it's probably not go, gone well because they just throw, they throw things out. Well, right, because it's, it's my word against their word. But if I open up the, the, the Bible and I show them what God has to say, then they can argue with the Bible all day. You go on and you read Romans. You, you go and, and come back to me. Show me where I'm wrong. Let God's work through the Holy Spirit do his work. Yeah, Amy, I'm sorry. Right. Yes, it is. And I believe it. Right. That's not only by God's grace that I believe it. So the more I argue it, it, it deep down. And God's word has to argue for itself. Because the Holy Spirit speaks through his word. And and I and I Yeah, and and I think that's I think that's one big area, too, that, that frustrates us. How many of you know people who have sat through church for 20, 30, 40 years and have not come to a saving faith in Jesus Christ or sit here and go through motions? And I think that's one thing that frustrates us a lot is we think, okay, I can't go talk to so-and-so about the gospel because I can't defend all. You're right. You can't. 
And Amy said one thing that, that really triggered me. It's the Holy Spirit speaking through God's word. Again, this is God's word. It is him speaking to us. But the Holy Spirit has to work. The Holy Spirit has to regenerate somebody. Okay? They will not accept God's word. God's word is everywhere. It's everywhere. It's free. And the resources out there that are, are, are amazing, it's free. But the Holy Spirit has to work for people who have to accept it. All right, I'm going to try to speed through some of these other things. Um, I, would, I would urge you, there are other things, if you're interested, again, come to Pastor Dan, to Pastor Andy. There are resources out there to look at. There are, um, you know, one of the big things that, that we'll hear is, well, there's no proof that the Bible is, is true or that D David, King David, was, um, you know, because so many things hinge off of King David, right? Jesus, son of David. Well, there actually is archaeological evidence where they have found proof that King David did exist in some of those things. And, and like I said, you could spend a semester going through all of this stuff. I would not be the one to teach it, by the way. But there are so many resources out there that you can look to, but we just don't have time. A uh, couple other points I want to hit. The development of the canon. How many of you read the Da Vinci Code? What was the whole idea of the Da Vinci Code? Does anybody know? Basically, that, that there was just this group of guys, and they just pulled out these books out of thin air and put them in here and said, this is the Bible, this is the canon. And there's all, have, have you heard of the Apocrypha? Basically, and, and it, you who know about Catholicism, the Catholic Church, there are other books. And you may receive that from people say, well, why, why are there things missing from the Protestant Bible, especially if they're coming from a Catholic um, understanding or religion? Why, why are you guys missing stuff? One easy way, it's kind of a cop-out, but one easy way is you can say, we didn't remove it, the Catholics put extra in. Okay, but there are other books out there, and you may be familiar with those, but I'm going to go through, there, go through here real quick. So, Scripture itself establishes the canon of the Old Testament. Okay, 39 books in, in Scripture itself. There are areas that, um, somebody look up Luke 24, um, look up 2444 real quick as I talk. Several places, if you want another um, Scripture reference, Luke 24, 13 through 35. That's another good one to read later on this afternoon. Um, so the scripture talks about the first section of the Old Testament. We know it's the law. You may have heard the Torah or the Pentateuch. That's the first five Bibles of the Old Testament. Joshua talks about the book of the law as the center of, of Israel's life. Okay, it points to the fact that this is what you should look at. Okay, so again, Joshua 1, 8 through 9. I'm not going to hit on that. I'm going to speed ahead a little bit. So um, does somebody have Luke 24, 44? If you have it, go ahead. So Jesus himself is quoting the Old Testament. Okay? So there are multiple, multiple, multiple areas where Scripture speaks about Scripture and, and validates that Scripture um, is, is part of the, or, or what we have, I should say, is part of the canon. Okay, it refers back to certain uh, books of the Bible. Um, 
So the New Testament authors, they explicitly verify the inspiration and authority of much of the New Testament. Um, a couple areas that you can look at, and again, I'm just going to throw them out to you since we are very short on time. First Corinthians, First Corinthians, Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 through 26. Second Peter 3:16. And so many of these areas, um, you have you have Peter, specifically in the Peter uh, message. Uh, or, or in that passage, 2 Peter 3.16, Peter actually refers to Paul's epistles as authoritative. Okay, so it's referring back. So that has also helped with the formation of um, what the New Testament canon is. There was something called the Moratorian Fragment, which you can look at. Um, it sounds cool. Um, you can look it up, but basically what it is, it is, it is a fragment of a document I guess you could say, that laid out some things from the first century on how the canon was assembled. So a couple of the things that, um, that the Moratorian fragment, and it's M-U-R-A-T-O-R-I-A-N. So a couple of things that it, that it talked about. It, the, the book must have appropriate theological content. So, if, so when something was looked at as part of, of the canon, it must not um, contradict other scripture. The book had to be written by an apostle. Okay, couldn't just be Aaron Jennings. It had to be written by an apostle. And the last thing is, it, it had to be accepted by the church. Didn't come from the church, but the church recognized it. We talk about the Catholic Church. Catholic Church said that these are the books. The Reformation showed us it's recognized. And we see that in the, in the moratorium fragment, that these books were recognized by the church. It was passed down through the ages. They received the work, they didn't establish it, and they looked at the book as um, part of the canon. And then there are some other areas, um, and, and we can, uh, like I said, I'll put something together to try to get out to everybody. Um, there were certain early church fathers who spoke about, they convened, there was the Senate of Carthage, they got together and they talked about, and, and they established that these are, um, these are the books of the canon. Now, can we sit here today real quick and say that do we know 100% that there was no book that should be part of the canon that didn't make it in. We can't say 100%, but we know for sure, just from the Bible itself, 85% of it um, is part of the Bible. And then we have these other um, tools, I guess you could say, that show us that the books that we have, we can rely on the canon or the books that we have. We can rely on those. Um, the last thing... We talked about the clarity of Scripture. The last thing I'm going to hit very, very quickly, the sufficiency of Scripture. 1 Peter 1, 22 through 25, I'm going to read it quickly. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God, for all flesh is like grass and all its glory like the flower of the grass. 
The grass withers, the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. And we have so many of these areas. Another um, one, write this down. 2 Peter 1, verses 3 through 4. Talks about his divine power has been granted to us through all things and so on and so forth. Basically, here's the ending word. That the Bible is sufficient. The Bible is sufficient for what we need in life, for everything that we are dealing with. The Bible tells us it is sufficient to address anything that, we're, that we are going through. If you want to know how to talk to that loved one about the gospel, the Bible is sufficient for that. If you are, having, if you are dealing with depression, the Bible is sufficient to address that. There is nothing that the Bible does not address. And as we read the Bible, we need to, uh, we need to look at it in, in that way, that it is the inspired word of God. So I'm sorry, I went through that kind of quickly, but we have people stacking up um, at, back there. Um, please feel free, if you have questions, if something doesn't make sense, please, please, please ask. If there's something that doesn't make sense, maybe we can add it on to another um, one of our sessions. So let's pray real quick. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you give us your word. We thank you so much that, that the, 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 this idea of the, the study of your word, we can't just fit it into 45 minutes to an hour. It takes a lifetime to try to understand the power of your word. God, help us to know that your word is coming directly from you. You are speaking to us through your word. We can look at your word as your loving gift to us to help us to know how to deal with life, to the, the, the many problems that we have in life. We are so thankful that you would love us in a way to give us all of this information, to give us your heart in writing through your word. So I pray that you are with us in the service to come. Help us to, to look to you, Father, for our inspiration, for our comfort. Help us to praise you well. Help us to prepare our hearts to receive your word from Pastor Dan today. I thank you for this morning. I ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.